Hi guys, I'm Courtney Fox. And I'm Kathleen Acker, and we would like to welcome you to Meg's Front Page. This is your podcast to bring you up close and personal with authors who have published recent articles in JMEG and to keep you up to date with the latest in evidence-based practice. So today we have Dr. Megan Orlando with us, who is a current MIGS fellow at the Cleveland Clinic, and we will be discussing her paper, Chronic Pelvic Pain, Educational Experience Among MIGS Fellows and Recent Graduates, a Need Assessment. So welcome, Dr. Orlando. Thank you. Um, do you want to give us just a quick one-liner about yourself and your favorite thing about being a mixed fellow? Sure. So you said where I am currently in fellowship. Uh, before that, I did my residency at UCSF. Um, I would say, you know, the thing that drew me to mixed fellowship in general was chronic pelvic pain and um, like the interdisciplinary nature of care and complex surgeries. So I am excited about this paper, you know, from a personal standpoint. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So um, I am just going to kind of give you a two-line uh, summary of what um, Dr. Orlando's paper is about. So um, essentially, this paper surveyed fellows about chronic pelvic pain, and it showed that the majority of fellows feel comfortable with endometriosis-related chronic pelvic pain, but would like to learn more about the frequently comorbid conditions such as IBS, pelvic floor myalgia, and interstitial cystitis. Um, and then more than 80% of current fellows actually believe that an expanded pelvic pain curriculum should be a part of the MIGS fellowship. Does that kind of sound like what the gist of the paper was about, Megan? Right on. Excellent. I think it's such a fascinating paper. I think it's really critical to start to focus on pathology for our subspecialty. And so we really appreciate you getting this um, topic spearheaded. Um, so I guess our first question is what inspired you, um, to kind of collaborate and do this study? Yeah. So this, uh, study actually, you know, as, as projects are started a few years ago, um, from the interest was from the pelvic pain special interest group through AGL. And um, that group really wanted to evaluate fellows chronic pelvic pain experiences. And, you know, I think that they recognize that there was the potential that those experiences could vary widely across fellows. So wanted to understand the landscape of that. So decided to first start by putting out a survey to determine what fellows are actually receiving in terms of chronic pain um, education, and then also how that impacts or is associated with their desire to care for women with chronic public pain. So when you did um, the survey results, was there anything that surprised you about the range of chronic pelvic pain exposure in all of the fellows? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think you, you kind of hit on um, some of it when you, when you summarize the paper. So I would say, you know, first and foremost, the um, survey had a, a pretty high response rate. It, we had 65% of current fellows, but certainly not everyone. So I don't want to say that this is definitely representative of all fellows experiences. Um, but I, you know, I think the thing that was most interesting was that MIGS fellows really uh, report having a good knowledge base surrounding superficial and deep endometriosis. So kind of the pelvic pain generators that are specifically thought to be GYN in nature, but really they report gaps in understanding, treating, caring for the comorbid pain conditions like pelvic floor dysfunction, which 
you know, most patients with chronic pelvic pain also experience some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. So to me, that, that was a big surprise. Um, and then certainly other things, IBS, painful bladder syndrome, um, things like that. So I think, you know, I think that was probably the biggest surprise is that these um, etiologies of pain are not being covered um, kind of systematically. One thing that I really loved about this paper is you talk um, about how it really relies on your faculty expertise. And you had this uh, like description, a, a, a cognitive apprenticeship. And that's really so true. You know, like I think about that all the time as a resident, like when I work with my fellows, my attendings, like I am taking bits and pieces of their brains and incorporating it into my brain and then coming up with, you know, my way of counseling or my, you know, approach to, you know, a difficult surgery. So it, it really is so dependent on just who you work with. And I, I totally agree with you. I think that's even more true in fellowship when the group that you see on a day-to-day -day basis is so much smaller, you know, where you may be working with a handful of attendings instead of, you know, dozens of attendings, you know, over the course of two years. Um, and so I think that was another piece of this paper that we found was that there is a good proportion of, of fellows or past fellows who reported that they don't have a, an attending or a staff whose sole or whose primary focus is chronic pelvic pain. And so, you know, I think one thing we wanted to highlight is that given that chronic pelvic pain providers are located in different places across the country, those may not all have MIGS fellowships or certain MIGS fellowships may have really excellent surgical training, but not as much focused on chronic pelvic pain specifically. Yeah, I think that's definitely a important thing to highlight um, for fellowship training is the importance of a uniform curriculum amongst the fellows so that when you put up your plaque saying, hey, I'm a MIGS fellow or I'm a MIGS trained fellow, this is what I can do you would expect them to have sort of all the tools in their toolbox to be able to be um, performed for these patients. So I guess our next question, and it was um, covered in, in your paper, but we wanted to know other strategies you think that can be used to help improve chronic pelvic pain training and education during fellowship. Yeah. And, you know, Courtney, I think you kind of um, touched upon that earlier when you talked about the way that the fellow in general is moving more towards, um, you know, being pathology focused. And, and as we're starting to implement the ACGME style um, milestones into the fellowship curriculum at large. So, you know, I think as, as the fellowship is drafting those milestones, you know, as I was looking through them, I was really happy to see that chronic pelvic pain is definitely staying as an integral part of the fellowship. So I think that foundationally is really important. Um, you know, and then I think the, one of the big pieces that our paper highlights is that fellows experience in chronic pain is directly proportional to their confidence, their satisfaction with their chronic pain training, their desire to care for patients with pelvic pain. And so to me, that just to broaden the experience. So, you know, some of the things that, that we have started working on as, or that the current AGL pelvic pain SIG has started incorporating is ways it has started brainstorming as ways to incorporate some of that hands-on um, exposure to chronic pelvic pain um, procedural interventions. So some examples would be like abdominal trigger point injections, bladder installations um, into things like the FMIGS camp and like the national FMIGS um, didactics, just in case for those fellows who don't have 
that exposure at their institution to be able to see that and, and gain that comfort. And then I think the same could be true for more of the didactic pieces. So, um, you know, thinking about some of those, those um, diseases that we talked about that folks aren't as comfortable with. Awesome. So um, this was really an excellent paper. What kind of future directions, ideas? I know you kind of talked about that a little bit with the Ethnics Bootcamp, um, but anything else you like want to add into our little wrap up? Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think it, it's a larger conversation just thinking about the role of pelvic pain in um, MIGS and in the fellowship, kind of like Courtney mentioned. And, you know, I think it's something that's not, it's not simple because not every MIGS surgeon is wants to be a chronic pelvic pain specialist. And we don't need to make MIGS and chronic pelvic pain one and the same, but I think figuring out ways that um, our expertise can can kind of complement. And so you know, I think one thing that that was has been brought up as we've been thinking about the implications of this study is thinking about ways that the MIGS fellowship can interface with some of the national societies. So certainly AGL we work very closely with, but also IPPS um, and some of those that already have pelvic pain focused teaching and opportunities and thinking about ways that fellows can get that experience. And I also want to say, I think something that would be awesome to do in fellowship if you don't have providers is to at least get the knowledge base from experts in the field so that you can at least disseminate the information if you're not able to provide the service. So similar to as a resident, when you rotate with oncology and REI, you gain the knowledge so you can adequately counsel your patient, even if you're not providing them that service. And so, though I believe all of us fellows should graduate with a good knowledge of chronic pelvic pain, the reality is at least having that knowledge base will be um, wonderful for our, our patients, our future patients. Yeah, and you know, I think um, touching on that is also like the interdisciplinary nature of the disease. So maybe if you don't have somebody from gynecology who is specifically focused in pelvic pain, but maybe from anesthesia or from pain management or just from, you know, complementary disciplines that that could be an opportunity for fellows to spend time with those providers in clinics or, you know, during procedures, certainly colorectal urology, things like that. Absolutely. I could see like a whole um, like center for chronic pelvic pain, PM&R, psychiatry, you know, physical therapy. So that's awesome. Yeah. And those types of centers do exist across the country and they are really wonderful. And the ability for us to create more sort of models like that would be great for, you know, the women that we are going to take care of. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Orlando. Um, we will let you know when the podcast is published. Um, and then if anyone has any further questions, um, feel free to email Courtney or myself and we can get you in touch with, with Megan. Thanks so much. All right. This is another episode of Thanks Front Page. Thanks for listening. Bye.